listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. It was the popcorn, wasn't it? Wasn't my idea. TVC, I'm so excited to be here. As your senior pastor just said, my name is Ryan Kimmel. I'm a pastor on staff at a church uh, in between Middleville and Caledonia. Um, and I just want to say I'm, I'm really blessed to be here today. For those of you here, for those of us joining us online, uh, I'm blessed. Your senior pastor, Pastor Jeff, just said it. I became a Christian at TVC. I came to Christ at TVC. It was November 1997. It was after a youth group night. Me and my friends were hanging out. We were hanging out way too late. And the Lord led me to get down on my knees and I confessed my need for a Savior. And I put my trust in the only one who was able to save, Jesus Christ. Your community, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Praise be to God. Your communications director, Jim Bowerman, was here that night. It was, it was it's special because this, this feels kind of like a full circle thing for me. I mean, I'm 20, 22 years later, here I am, a pastor. I get to come back and, and preach with the church that led me to Christ. This is, this is a beautiful thing. But, but if you are new, if you are just visiting TVC, don't hold it against TVC if you don't like my sermon because I am just a guest, okay? <laughs> Senior pastor, Papa Jeff, will be back next week. Are you guys excited about that? Yeah. He will correct anything that I say that's outside the bounds of the TVC philosophy, okay? So rest be assured, your senior pastor's coming back. Hey, let's, let's get into it. Pull out your phones. I know you got one. Pull out your phones for a moment. I know most churches, most pastors tell you, put this thing away when the preaching starts. I want you to pull it out for a moment, because let's, let's have a little chat. We live in a world that has no shortage of words that people are wanting to share. No shortage of thoughts, no shortage of opinions, no shortage of pers per perspectives that people just want to get out there. Where can you go to cut through all that noise? Where can you go to find words that are as true as when they were spoken as they should be and can be and are right now? Where can you go to find words that are both timely and timeless. How do you find that in a world that's filled with so much noise? And you know that this thing is often your conduit for you to add to that noise. So many times we just enter the conversation and our voice isn't that helpful. And that's why I just love the sermon series that you all are in. Red Letter Days, looking at the words of Jesus, reading the red. If you're unfamiliar with that term, red letters, for, for many, many years it's been a tradition for Bible translations when they print the Bibles, that they print the words of Jesus in red. Now, many Bibles are getting away from that. And I understand, there, there's, there's a reason for that, that, that all Scripture is God-breathed, that when we, learn, when we turn to any page of Scripture, we can find God's message there. That's true. Uh, but I'll, I'll have you know, that I, I like red-letter Bibles, because at least for a reference point, because when we look at those words of Jesus, those are the words that cut through the noise. Those are the words that are both timely and timeless, as relevant as when Jesus first spoke them as they are here and now. So if you are the type of person that uses the Bible app, you can go ahead and flip there now. Otherwise, you can turn to the Bible in the racks that are around you. 
to Luke chapter 23, verse 34. That's on page 737 if you do want to use the Bibles that are here. The red letters that I will be preaching on today as you turn there, these are very special red letters to me. See, I'm preaching at the, the wonderful, beautiful, amazing church that led me to Christ. And I, and I want to share with you the verse that God really used to cut through the noise of my heart. And this was the, this was the verse that really awoken my heart, awakened my heart to Christ. So here it is. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. If you want, you can look up on the screen. It'll be up there. Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Would you say these words with me? Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, Jesus said some very powerful words. Jesus said some very comforting words. Jesus said some very challenging words. And yes, Jesus Christ also said some very condemning words. But these words for me, these words that we're reading today, they're confirming words for me. They reveal something about who he is and what he does. But you have to understand what's happening when Jesus says these red letter words. These words are red lettered not just because Jesus spoke them, they are red-lettered because as Jesus spoke them, he was covered in his own blood. Jesus spoke these words as they were crucifying him. Literally as they were killing him, Jesus spoke these words. And he didn't just speak these words. You don't just speak when people are driving nine-inch Roman nails through your bones and through your flesh. Jesus cried these words out. He screamed these words. Father, forgive them. In the most terrifying agony a person can endure, this is what Jesus says. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. When I read these words as a high school kid, I lost. My defenses failed me. Every argument I had against the Christian faith crumbled at these words. Who would say this? Who would say these words? To the people who were killing him as they were killing him. You better believe these are red letter words. Blood red. You see, I did, I grew up going to, to church. A couple of different churches I was growing up, but I grew up going to church. I went to Sunday school. I learned my Bible stories, read Daniel in the Lion's Den and all those other great Bible stories. I remember reciting the Apostles' Creed every single Sunday. But TVC, I'll be honest with you. It didn't mean anything to me because, well, because why should it? What, what does it matter that Daniel was in the lion's den? What does it matter that Jesus was on the cross? What, what does this stuff even matter? See, it took a group of teenagers who went to a church across from Podunk Lake. <laughs> True story. To tell me something about the Christian faith that I never caught growing up. That this Jesus, that what he did, he did for me. And he did it for you. And this thing that we call the Christian faith, this thing that we gather for every Sunday, this is not just a belief system. This is not just behavior modification. Christianity is a bond sealed in blood and spirit between us and the living God who loved us enough to send his son to die in our 
place. Amen. Do you see, these words today, they reveal something about Jesus. And my prayer is that if you don't know this yet, that you soon will. At one point, Jesus is uh, walking along, and he's with one of his disciples named Peter. And him and Peter and the disciples, they're walking along, and they're walking through the towns. And at one point, Jesus stops, and he asks Peter, Hey, Peter, what are people saying about me? What is the world saying about me? And, and Peter says, well, some people think that you're a teacher. Some people think that you're a prophet. Some people are confusing you with John the Baptist. They're not sure who is who. And Jesus stops and he asks Peter the question that he still asks us today. He says, but who do you say that I am? And, G- and Peter responds, and it, it, in, in the Bible, it's, it, the New Testament, it's written in Greek, and it's, it's beautiful. It, it's one of the most amazing responses ever. Peter responds, Translated, you are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And, and Jesus responds, just, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful interaction. He responds and says, blessed are you, Peter. You are blessed because you didn't listen to the world about me. You didn't listen to what the world had to say about me. You listened to my Father in heaven, and he revealed this to you. Jesus is confirming exactly who he is, that he is the Son of God come to save sinners, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. But Jesus is telling us that he's more than a teacher. He's more than a set of teachings. He is God with us, the Savior of the world, Savior of the world. He's the true God, but Jesus knows, and we know, it's going to take more than being a teacher. It's going to take more than, be, than, than giving us a set of teachings to prove this. Jesus will actually have to prove this. He'll have to demonstrate this. A few weeks ago, I was preparing for something that we as a West Michigan people celebrate annually. It's a very important time for us here in West Michigan, we were, my wife, my wife and I, my family, we were preparing for the Barry County Fair. <laughs> Anybody go? So I lead a 4-H group. I lead uh, Gun Lake 4-H Club. And uh, one of the things that our club shows is we show sheep in, in, in the fair. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she shows lambs. Her name's Kennedy. And we're getting the lambs ready for fair. And uh, we're, we're washing them and, and we're shearing them. And I said, man, these lambs, they look pretty big this year. I, I'm, I'm feeling good about your, your sheep here, Kennedy. Let's find out how much they weigh. Go grab the bathroom scale. You're about to find out. So she goes to the bathroom scale, and one of my buddies from our church is over helping us. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pick this thing up. I'm going to step on the scale and tell me how much it reads. I quickly remembered that I'm going to be 40 at the end of this month. And my body just didn't hold up to the pressure. I, I got it. We weighed this thing. It was her heaviest lambs that she's ever had showing the fair. But the next day, I couldn't stand straight. I was like this for a week and a half. I had to preach like that. And Peace Church is a beautiful, wonderful church, and they cared so much about me. And they're like, how are you doing? You know, how, what can we do for you? I'm preaching, and one person right before I get up to preach is like, can I get you a cup of coffee? I'm like, man, you're so sweet. No, I'm about to preach, though. 
a week later, I'm starting to stand a little bit more upright. And people are asking me, hey, how's your back doing? And here was my response. It feels okay, but I'm not going to put it to the test. I, I did not have the faith that my back would hold up to the pressure. And it reminded me about one of the things I really love about the Bible and what I love about the Christian faith. It's not afraid to be put to the test. Put it to the test. See, I was afraid that my back wouldn't hold up, but I've found time and again that Christ holds up. His truth holds up. The church will hold up. And I know this church has and will continue to do this. So, as we look at these words, Father, forgive them, we see Jesus say these words as he is being put to the test. In these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We see a number of beautiful things, but I want to talk about just a couple of them here this morning. The first one is this. Jesus prays for sinners. Father, forgive them. That's a prayer. And remember, he is crying this out. He is screaming this out in the midst of horrendous agony. Jesus prays for sinners. But let's talk about prayer. If you're not a Christ follower, you're off the hook here. But for those of us who are Christians in the house, I've always said there's, there's two types of Christians. There's those who pray and those who say they pray. A couple years back, I was leading a uh, mission trip to Switzer, West Virginia. Now, Switzer, West Virginia is outside of Logan, West Virginia. And Logan, West Virginia is outside of Charleston, West Virginia. So if you follow me geographically, we are in the middle of the heart of Appalachia country. And we are at a little church called Switzer Church of God. And our group went down there to help them update and, and, and um, renovate some of their church facilities. And every day there's these three nice little old ladies who came to the church and they would provide our group uh, a lunch. One day I got done early, so I went down and I thought I'd go, we got done with our project, so I went down to, to help them get ready for, for lunch. And as I got down to the little church basement, she was getting off the phone. This one lady was getting off the phone. She hung up the phone saying, we'll pray for that. She turns to her friends and says, hey, so-and-so is going in for emergency surgery. We need to pray for her. And I walk up to this group just as this is happening, and they say, Pastor, would you like to pray with us? Now, see, I thought this is how it would go. I would say, yes, I will pray with you guys, at which point I would assume leadership of this time. And I would say, I will start in prayer. If you guys feel led, please feel free to pray. I will close it up in a moment. You know, I try to outline everything. This is how I thought it was going to go. But then I said, they said, would you like to pray with us? I said, yes. And no sooner did I get done saying yes than these three ladies start praying all at the same time. At a million miles per hour. And it was beautiful. It was deep. It was desperate. It was a prayer that believed God could heal. It was an unashamed prayer. Because they didn't care what other people thought. They were just crying out to the God who could save. And I quickly realized, I'm outgunned here. <laughs> and to be honest with you, for a long, long time after that, that little prayer circle, that became the gold standard of prayer for me. And to be even more honest with you, 
I was deeply discouraged by that. I, I, I didn't pray like that. My, my prayers don't sound that beautiful and bold and desperate. I don't, I don't pray like that. And I was, I was deeply discouraged about that. And then my, my understanding of prayer began to broaden. See, before that, I always thought prayer, you know, growing up, I thought prayer was that, that time that you did when you folded your hands and you closed your eyes. Maybe you got on your knees and then you spoke to God like you were writing a letter. Dear God, how are you today? You know I mean, like that's what I thought prayer was like. And then, I, and then my prayer life began to deepen and broaden. See, at one time I thought it was quiet and reserved. And then I thought it was bold and loud. And then I realized it's both of that and more. See, prayer is talking and listening to God. I once thought prayer was patient and on your knees, and then I thought it was powerful and out loud, and then I realized it's both and more. See, sometimes, TVC, we do need to go in our room, turn off the phone, shut the door, and just pray to the God who loves us. Sometimes we do need to do that, but so much of the time we miss the opportunities to pray in the car, at the desk, at the job site, putting up drywall, on the farm, simply in the moment that we find ourselves in, God is calling us to pray all the time with him. But for many of us, we don't pray. We just say that we do. But here's what I want you to be encouraged by. When our prayer life is weak, when we are faithless, I want you to know that Jesus is faithful. When our prayer life is weak, Jesus' prayer life is strong. See, Jesus prays for sinners. He prays for us. Even until the bitter end, as they are killing him, he is still praying for us. As they are killing him, he is pleading with God his Father for their forgiveness. What kind of man is this? Who would do this? Can you imagine a woman praying for the forgiveness of her husband as he is cheating on her? Can you imagine a man Praying for the forgiveness of his accountant, praying for the forgiveness of his accountant as his accountant is stealing away his retirement? Can you imagine the Son of God praying for the forgiveness of the people who are killing him, literally as they are killing him? What kind of man is this? TVC, even now, Jesus continues to pray. He is at the right hand of God the Father, and the Bible says that he is praying for us still. In fact, it gets even more defined. It doesn't just say he is praying for us. It says he is interceding for us. That Jesus is in the midst of a, a type of prayer called intercession. Who's ever heard that term before? Yeah, I know. TVC, you're a great church at this. Intercession prayer. See, intercession is a deeper type of prayer where we stand in the gap. For someone, And we pray on their behalf, that we intervene on their behalf in prayer. And that's what Jesus does for us yet still. Look at these verses. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, he is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us now. Hebrews goes on to say, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Christian, listen to me. Jesus is praying for you. He's not just thinking about you. He's not just praying about you. Jesus is praying for you right now in heaven by name to God the Father who is sitting on the throne. But here's, here's the time that you ask me, so what? 
It's a great question. TVC, you've got the freedom to ask this question. So what? I'll tell you so what. See, I believe that whatever Jesus is doing has greater effect than anything that we are doing. And I believe that whatever Jesus is doing has greater effect than anything that is done for us. So if Jesus is praying for us, that trumps anything the world is doing to us. Whatever this life throws at you, whatever people throw at you, whatever your boss is like, however disrespectful your spouse is, however hurtful your friends can be, you have the Savior of the world praying for you by name to his Father in heaven. And when you follow him, the road may be broken, but the destination is beautiful. But this is a great challenge to us that when the world does attack us, when the world hurts us, when the world rejects us, when the world cheats us, or when the people around us cheat on us, we are to follow Christ in the path of forgiveness. And you did that today and you, when you grabbed a nail and you symbolized that forgiveness that you are offering. Yes, we are to offer forgiveness as we walk in the path of Jesus. See, I don't know about you, but I want this world to feel a little bit more like heaven right now. Anybody with me? I want this place to feel like heaven right now. I don't want to wait till I get there. I want to bring heaven to here right now. And heaven is the land of complete forgiveness. And so when you offer forgiveness, you are making this place more like heaven. When you offer the forgiveness of those who have deeply wronged you, you are making this world more like heaven and you are beginning to be the answer to the prayer that Jesus Christ himself prayed when he prayed on earth as it is in heaven. And when you offer forgiveness, you come closer to God on his level. You move closer to him. You experience God on a level that's closer to where he is than to where you are right now. And I get it. We live in a beautiful, beautiful area. These winding roads, green fields, beautiful sunsets. It's like heaven until you run into people. And then you're like, oh yeah, not heaven. And then you get married. And marriage is not the romance story that you've been led to believe in the Disney movies you watched up, you watch as you were growing up. And this world, when you walk out and you encounter the world, the world isn't this wonderful, tolerant place that it thinks that it is. And you get hurt. And I know some of you have been hurt deeply, emotionally, some of you physically, mentally. Even spiritually, people have hurt you. And so when we look to Jesus, and we know that he went through the same, yet he cried out for their forgiveness, this is encouragement to us, but this is also great challenge to us. When you offer forgiveness, yes, yes, there is a burden and a pain that you are releasing yourself from. And that's a wonderful and beautiful thing. I don't want to discredit that, but I would dare say to you, TVC, there's even something greater happening, that when you offer forgiveness, yes, you are releasing yourself from a burden, but when you offer forgiveness, you are bringing heaven to earth. Amen. But I know it doesn't make the hurt 
go away. I know this doesn't make the desire to forgive any stronger. See, following Christ is hard. He never promised this was going to be easy. In fact, he promised the road would be broken, but he promised the destination would be beautiful. But Jesus prayed for those who were sinning against him as they were sinning against him. So we should be praying the same. Praying for those who sin against us even as they sin against us. Jesus prays for sinners. The second thing I think we see here is that Jesus provides for salvation. The second half of his statement says, for they do not know what they are doing. See, so many people have this understanding or have this thought that Jesus was this nice hippie type guy who did all this nice things, said all these nice things, and he was brutally murdered by these wicked, terrible people. And that's kind of like the working cultural knowledge of Jesus and the story of Jesus. And I'm not going to say that's totally wrong. I think there's some edges there that need to be rounded off. But you have to think about it from the perspective of the people back in the day. When they heard these things for the very first time. See, TVC, it's not what Jesus did that got him crucified. It's what he said. It's not what Jesus did that got him crucified. It's what he said. Listen to some of the things that Jesus said. Jesus said that unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. Jesus said that he and the Father were one. Jesus made himself equal with God, claiming to be God. Jesus said if someone asks for your coat, you are to give them your shirt as well. Jesus Christ said that he was the only way to heaven. TVC, you don't get to say those things unless they're true. You don't get to make the claims that Jesus Christ made unless you are who Jesus said he was. If Jesus Christ was not truly God with us, if Jesus Christ was not truly the Savior of the world, if the things that Jesus said were not true, then listen to me. Then he got what he deserved. You don't get to tell people, unless you believe in me, you go to hell, unless it's true. If he was lying, nail him to a cross. And let's all watch him die and let's celebrate that and then let's burn his name from the pages of human history if Jesus Christ was not who he said he was. But if he is who he said he is, then that's something that everybody on the face of the planet should give their life to. If he is who he said he is, he is the one who is to be celebrated above everyone else else. Jesus Christ is the one who went all the way with what he said. Jesus remained true to who he said he was, proving he was who he said he was when he went all the way to his death and then three days later triumphing over Satan, sin, and death and rising again. Yeah, amen. What does Pastor Jeff say? That's good preaching there. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus knew exactly what was happening, but he knew the people there, they had no clue. Jesus knew that his death on the cross was a pivotal moment, if not the most pivotal moment in all of human history, but he knew the people there had no, they had no true understanding of what was happening in that moment. 
and the world around us doesn't realize it. Some of you sitting here today, some of you watching online, you don't realize the monumental moment that was when Christ died on the cross. It was five years. It was five long, grueling, heartbreaking years that my wife and I were in the adoption process. They told us it was going to be 18 months, and it turned out to be five years. And our hearts broke on a daily, daily basis. And when that time finally came for us to fly to Ethiopia and sit in an Ethiopian courthouse and meet with an Ethiopian judge, and that time finally came, we sat nervously waiting for our chance to meet with a judge. And we walked in, and it was honestly one of the most underwhelming moments of our life. This guy, who I, I, I swear to you was probably no older than 23 or 24, asked us a couple simple questions and then signed off, and our son became legally ours after five years of a grueling process. And we walked out of that courtroom and were like, that was really underwhelming, but yet that was one of the most pivotal, monumental moments of our entire life. And listen here, it was also the same for our son. It was one of the most monumental, pivotal moments of his entire life, but he wasn't even there for it. He won't even remember that moment. It was the moment that changed his course of life. It changed his destiny. But he had no idea what was happening, but that does not negate how monumental it was for him and it was for us. Our son did nothing to contribute to his adoption process, yet it was one of the defining moments of his life. Christ dying on the cross is one of the biggest moments of your life, and you may not know it yet. But when you come, you'll realize that that moment sets your life on a new trajectory, on a new destiny. Realizing it and accepting that will turn your life. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. What were they doing? They were killing the Son of God. They were fulfilling prophecy. They were murdering the innocent Savior of the world. See, Jesus had been telling his disciples all along this was going to happen. He, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus says this is going to happen. I'm going to be delivered over into the hands of sinful men and I'm going to die on the cross and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. But when they heard that, they were like, okay, what does that mean? They, had, they just, it went over their heads. And for so many of us, that's the that's truth. I stand up here, Pastor Jeff, other pastors get up there and we tell you what Jesus did on the cross and it goes over our heads. Because we don't realize that this Christian life is meant to be experienced as much as it is to be confessed. They were murdering the innocent son of God. They, but the people there, they did not know what they are doing they were lost. And Jesus, at this moment, he is reminding us how lost the world is. That people just don't know. People are just lost. They don't know what they're doing. And because of this, Christians, we ought to be the most compassionate people on the planet. Because the world is lost and they don't know what they're doing. Romans 1.30 tells us that people are so sinful that the old ways of doing evil aren't good enough for us, that we have to invent ways to do evil. That's how lost the world is. If someone is lost in the woods and they're trying to find their way home and they go the wrong way, do you hate them for that? Of course not. We have compassion on them. Likewise, in this world, when people promote sin, do you hate them for it? 
Or do you plead with God to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing? We should have compassion on those who don't know God for they don't know what they're doing. Honestly, when I see people choose the desires of sin over the joy of Christ in this world, it's not pity, I feel. It's empathy. Because I once was lost and now I'm found. And praise be to God. I feel empathy, I feel sadness because they don't know what they are missing. And TVC, don't miss this next thought. One of the things that got Jesus killed was that he claimed to be able to forgive sins. That he forgave people of their sins. But yet, right here, we see him asking for their forgiveness. Why? See, I think Jesus could have just released them from their sin, but he wants more from them. He wants them to be in relationship with God. He wants them to know God and to be known by God. Father, forgive them. Know them. Enter into fellowship and relationship with them. He wants them to know God and to be known by God. When we forgive people, do we go that extra step like Jesus? Do we also want better for the ones that hurt us? I know this is incredibly difficult stuff. Jesus didn't get killed because he said following him was going to be easy. He said we would also have to take up our cross and follow him. But when we forgive, we make this place more like heaven. And we come to know God more on his level. When I first read this as a teenager, when I first read that as they were crucifying him, Jesus cried this out, I'll be honest with you, I thought if I was in this spot, this is where I would show my cards. This is kind of where I would reveal truly who I am. You're nailing me to the cross after a life living in service for you, after I did all these wonderful things for you. You are terrible people. You are terrible people and you can go to hell. That would be me showing my cards. But you know something? Jesus does show his cards in this moment. He doesn't curse them. He cares for them. As they are killing him, he cares for them. Jesus shows that he is who he said he is all the way to the very bitter end. When I realized that, I said, there's nobody else I'd rather give my life to than this King Jesus. In his final moments, in his most desperate and horrendous hour, he doesn't curse them. He cares for them. And when I read this, I realized I was spiritually blind. That I was lost. That I was living a life of sin. I was living a life of sin. Sin which the world celebrates because it doesn't know what it's doing. And sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. And I realized it was my sin. He was dying for my sin. My sin was putting him on the cross. And TVC, here's the truth. It's our sin that does that. You went and you got a nail. And you took a nail as a sign of forgiveness for someone. Some of you did. But Jesus took three nails to forgive you. See, these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. These are words that cut through the noise. These are words that are timely. These are words that are timeless. These are words that you can come back to when the world gets rough because you have to remember at that moment Jesus prayed for you and he still prays for you. He said he would be there 
with us always to the very end of the age. These words for me, they reveal who Jesus truly is. He is God with us. He is the Savior of sinners. He is the King of the world. He offers forgiveness. So I pray that you would accept that forgiveness. And I pray that through that you would also offer forgiveness. We're going to go to prayer in a moment. And as we do, I'm, I'm, just, I'm praying even right now in my spirit that, that the Holy Spirit is moving amongst you right now. And I want to speak to a couple groups of people. For those of you who need to accept Christ for the first time, you're going to have space to do that today. We're not going to put all the focus on you. We're just going to let this between, be between you and God. If you need to accept Christ for the first time, today is the day of salvation for you. Some of you are here and maybe you're here for the first time in forever. Maybe, maybe you have accepted Christ at one time, but you've walked away. And it's time to come back to God. And Jesus says that when those who walk away come back, that the Father himself will run towards you and embrace you. And for those of you who are the faithful, I pray that this just went to feed your soul this morning. That you would walk out of here more on fire for the mission. I'm telling you right now, West Michigan and the world needs TVC. It needs the Holy Spirit working through you to impact this world and this community and you faithful in here. God is using you for great things. So let's go to prayer. Would you bow your heads and let's, let's pray. So for that group that is realizing today, today's the day I've been rejecting Jesus for too long. Today's the day where I want to give my life to him. All I'm going to ask you to do is with every head bowed, just raise your hands and look up at me. If that is you, would you do that now? I see you. I see you. Maybe you're here and you've realized your faith walk is not where it should be, that you've strayed off the path and it's time to come back to the one who loves you above all else. If that's you, would you raise your hand and just look up at me? Every head, every head bowed. I see you. I see you. I see you. God sees you. The Father is running towards you. For those of you in the house who are faithful and you rely on Jesus every day but you are walking in this path, would you raise your hand just so I can pray over you as well? For those of you who hold Christ in your heart and you know that Christ holds you in his hand, let's pray. If you're accepting Christ for the first time, would you pray these words in your heart with me? Father, I confess that I am a sinner in need of of your forgiveness, that I need your grace. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my stead, for taking the sin that should have been, taking for the penalty that should have been mine for my sin. I confess my need for a Savior, and I accept you, Jesus, in my heart. Father, I pray that you'd send the Holy Spirit to work in those who are accepting Jesus for the first time. Set their life and their fire ablaze for you, that they would go from this world to know you better and to impact this world for your name. Lord, for those who have strayed from Christ and it's, you're coming back now, Lord, I know that, Father, you are running towards them, embracing them, adorning them with new clothes and a robe, and you are kissing their face. And, Lord, I want to pray for the faithful of TVC. Lord, I pray that your spirit empowers them to go from this place, to proclaim your name boldly, loudly, and bravely, Father, I pray for the ministry of TVC. Lord, I am so thankful for
for this church. On behalf of Peace Church, Lord, we pray for this fellowship and for this church, Lord, that you would fill them and fuel them with your spirit, that they would go and impact this world. Lord, I want to say thank you for those who are coming to Christ for the first time, those who are returning to Christ. God, you are so great. You are so good. And we love you and we thank you. And we pray these things in the most precious and the most perfect and the most powerful name there is, the name that is above all names. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Round of applause for those who came to Christ today and those who have returned.